show starts in three, two, one, go. Liberalism is back in style. Welcome to the evolution. So you don't get you don't get no money from the Democrats. They should be paying you like a million dollars a year. Like you're you're, you're like a secret weapon for them. Gary, would you mind repeating that slower this time? <laughs> I'm saying you're so good at what you do. I mean, you know what you're talking about. The, the, the Democrat Party should be sending you one way, either out in the open or, or, or under the table, at least a million dollars a year for what you do. I'm back, bitches. What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? He was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year in the Excellence in the Arts Awards and is one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words. I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. And good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com. Last name spelled B as in betrayal. A-S-H-A-M, as in misguided, DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. If you are new to the show, here's the deal. On my website, you'll find links to every website associated with this show, in particular, links to all my social media sites, on four of which we both broadcast this show live and archive the shows. But let me make it easy and boil it all down to one. On my website, click on the YouTube link. Once there, click on the link that says live, whereupon you can either watch the show live or view the archive shows. Also, if you would, click on the subscribe link. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you would like to talk on the radio... Later, as in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in Save Our Democracy, which is our ultimate and only goal in each and every show we do, lock him up. Legitimate president and non-criminal defendant, and I think it's safe to say the most pro-union president we've had, Joe Biden made history yesterday, becoming the first president to actually walk a picket line with the UAW union workers striking against the big three automakers. It sounded like the strikers were in good spirits.
Let's hear a bit of what President Biden said, and the first voice you're going to hear is UAW President Sean Fain. Part of this fight, and let's get back to winning solidarity for all of our members and economic and social justice for all of our members. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let me say it many times. Wall Street didn't build the country. The middle class built the country. I think one of the most definitive and cogent comments I've heard to date came from one Seth Harris. Seth is the former acting U.S. Secretary of Labor under President Obama. We'll hear the question MSNBC host Ali Velshi asked Seth and his response. Yeah, in fact, Seth, uh, Bob King, the former president of the UAW, I've got the current president of the UAW on next hour, but Bob said that Trump never lifted a baby finger uh, for these unions. However, to, to Rick Stengel's point, in, in 2016, he got a lot of union support. He still did even afterwards. He, he, those, those sort of ham-fisted tariffs that he imposed uh, on most of the world with respect to steel did cause a lot of union workers to think that he was standing up for America. And we have a very large proportion of Americans who, despite rising uh, wages and despite low unemployment, despite a good stock market, do believe that the economy is doing poorly. Right. But it's not 2016 anymore. And the American people have seen Donald Trump's record. And he amassed the worst anti-labor record in history, just as Joe Biden is the most pro-union president in history, Donald Trump was the most anti-union president in history. He tried to bust federal employee unions. His appointees to the National Labor Relations Board in every big case sided with the employer against worker rights. He appointed justices to the Supreme Court who tried to gut the right to strike and don't like unions or workers especially. I could go down a long list of ways in which the Trump administration undercut workers and worker power and unions. Uh, but the most important thing to focus on here is the sea change that occurred here today. 42 years ago, President Reagan fired the starting gun in an era of union busting and union avoidance by firing the PATCO workers, the air traffic controllers. Today, a president of the United States stood on a picket line, put his arm around a striker and said, you deserve more. Your president is with you. This is a huge change. It's not just the first time anybody's done that. Any president has done that in history. It is a direct effort to do exactly what the UAW is trying to do. And that is to undo the harm that's occurred over the last several decades to undo the concessions at the bargaining table and to undo an anti-labor, anti-union, union-busting politics in our society, in our country. The American people want to see that. They support it. They support unions. And today, President Biden spoke on their behalf. Boom. Boom. And just on a side note, if I may, I would ask you to compare Seth Harris, the gentleman you just heard, to the hucksters, charlatans, and grifters Trump filled his cabinet with. 
Trump didn't drain the swamp. He stocked it, proved by the number of cabinet ministers who had to be replaced due to scandal, along with the somewhat okay acceptable ones Trump got rid of himself and replaced with yes-men and toadies who had no business whatsoever being placed in positions of power, you know, like Trump himself. In any event, the difference could not be clearer. Democrats believe in governing, the QOP believes in ruling. Democrats are for workers, Republicans are for corporations. Democrats know politics, Republicans know political theater. And as you know, Trump is either in or on his way to Detroit to talk to striking auto workers. Problem is, he's scheduled to appear at Drake Enterprises, which is an auto parts supplier, but it's a non-union parts supplier. UAW President Sean Fain said this on CNN this morning. I find a pathetic irony that the former president is going to hold a rally for union members at a non-union business. And, you know, all you have to do is look at his track record. His track record speaks for itself. In 2008, during the Great Recession, he blamed UAW members. He blamed our contracts for everything that was wrong with these companies. That's, that's, that's a complete lie. In 2015, when he was running for president, he talked about doing a rotation, taking all these good-paying jobs in the Midwest and moving them somewhere in the South where people work for less money and then to make people beg for their jobs back at lower wages. And, and the ultimate show of his how much he cares about our workers was in 2019 when he was the president of the United States. Where was he then? GM was, our, our workers at GM were on strike for 60 days for two months. They were out there on the picket lines. I didn't see him hold a rally. I didn't see him um, stand up at the picket line. And I sure as hell didn't hear him comment about it. So here's the he question. missing in action. Here's the question to President. Uh, what about the meeting with Trump? Would you meet with him when he's in Detroit tomorrow? I see no point in meeting with him because I don't think the man has any has any bit of care about what our workers stand for, what the working class stands for. He serves a billionaire class, and that's what's wrong with this country. You know, I don't know. Trump appearing at a non-union place sounds like another Four Seasons total landscaping screw-up to me. But we'll see. And let us also remember, Donald Trump stood against striking workers and crossed IATSE's picket line back when he was a game show host. And just for the record, you know who joined striking UAW workers today at the Ford Assembly Plant in Wayne, Michigan, approximately an hour and 15 minutes ago? Recent guest on this show and presidential candidate, Marianne Williamson. But you see, she's a Democrat, so she's actually visiting striking union workers. She went to the Ford plant, not the Ford Seasons. In local union news, thousands of workers from Culinary Union Local 226 and Bartenders Local 165 turned out to the Thomas and Mack Center yesterday and voted overwhelmingly to authorize a citywide strike, ramping up pressure on the Las Vegas hotel casino companies to reach contract agreements. 95% voted yes. Another round of negotiations are set to be held next week. We will keep you in the loop. 
Right now, I have a follow-up to our main story from Friday's show, which we kind of redid yesterday due to a technical glitch on Friday, which prevented the show from being broadcast on social media and resulted in there being no record or copy of it. And that was the story of Trump's heinous reaction to Luis Avila, an American war hero who served five combat tours in Afghanistan and Iraq and was left almost completely paralyzed after losing his leg and suffering two strokes, two heart attacks, and brain damage as a result of his injuries. After the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, invited Avila to sing God Bless America at Milley's welcoming ceremony, after he finished, Trump went up to Milley and said within earshot of several witnesses, quote, Why did you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that. The wounded never let Avila appear in public again. End quote. Well, once this story broke, the cowardly, draft-dodging orange trader, as was predictable, had to attack General Milley. This is what Trump posted on his anti-social media site. Quote, Mark Milley, who led perhaps the most embarrassing moment in American history with his grossly incompetent implementation of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, costing many lives, leaving behind hundreds of American citizens, and handing over billions of dollars of the finest military equipment ever made, will be leaving the military next week. Gee, I thought my sentences were long. This will be a time for all citizens of the USA to celebrate. This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the President of the United States. This is an act so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. A war between China and the United States could have been the result of this treasonous act to be continued, end quote. And of course, most if not all of what Trump said just isn't true. General Milley didn't lead the withdrawal, which, by the way, was Trump's withdrawal. Of course, he said his withdrawal plan was different. It wasn't. He lied. Nor did General Milley leave behind billions of dollars worth of at least operable equipment. And that $80 billion figure is the total amount we spent over 20 years to equip and train the Afghan military and pay them salaries. The value of the inoperable equipment left behind was closer to $10 billion, and it would have cost more to bring them home than to leave them there. But once again, you see the power and reach of today's right-wing propaganda hate media. They started that Afghanistan lie, and even though it's been debunked seven ways from Sunday repeatedly, it was repeated often enough in the beginning, although to be fair, it only has to be told once, and it became gospel among Trump and his media's brain-dead mega-cult base. And Trump is still repeating that lie to this day which, again, is accepted as the gospel truth among his base. Add to that, there was no intel that the Afghanistan government and military were going to collapse in 11 days, which threw a major wrench into our withdrawal plans. But maybe, just maybe, 
that was at least in part because Trump negotiated with the Taliban and excluded the Afghanistan government from those negotiations. Just saying. Oh, and then there was the release of the 5,000 Taliban prisoners, one of whom, Abdul Rahman El-Logri, was the suicide bomber who killed 13 of our troops on withdrawal day. And who do you think released those 5,000 prisoners? Quick hint for you Trumpers, it wasn't Joe Biden. But the question is, it has been reported that General Milley is likely to be called as a witness in at least one of Trump's trials. How does a post like this not violate what Trump's been warned against doing? Intimidating witnesses, trying to influence witnesses, trying to intimidate and influence jurors. And doesn't accusing a witness of treason and calling for them to be killed go way beyond what he was warned not to do? I would submit it does. Hell to the yes, it does. And does this not come across to any normal, reasonable person as yet another incitement to violence? Again, hell to the friggin' yes. Donald Trump will push our Justice Department and our judicial system to its breaking point in order to keep his traitorous criminal ass out of jail. I hope they are ready to respond in kind. And just a helpful suggestion, if I may, remand him in custody for violating his pretrial release and lock him up now. One of my favorite political pundits, Steve Schmidt, who I have invited to be a guest on this show, was asked about Trump essentially calling for General Milley's death. But before we hear Steve's comment, I want you to hear the question MSNBC's Joy Reid asked Steve, because she brings up the pivotal question. And and to make that even more explicit, he has essentially threatened General Mark Milley with death. And he has signaled to his MAGA fanatic fan base that this man deserves to die. This is a hero military United States general uh, that was the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And he explicitly issued a threat against him because he knows there will be no recourse and that his followers have no problem with that. But his party has no problem with it. Where is the condemnation from the Republican Party for Donald Trump issuing a written threat against General Milley. I've heard nothing but silence. Indeed, but who doesn't know the answer to this question? How many members of the Branch Davidian cult in Waco questioned or criticized David Koresh? How many members of the People's Temple cult in Guyana criticized or questioned Jim Jones? If you are part of a cult, or in political terms, if the leader of your party is the leader of a cult and you need his millions of cult members' votes, you don't criticize Donald Trump. And while this is yet another clear example of sheer cowardice, it is equal parts complicity and a betrayal of your country. This is yet another institution in which Trump, his media, and his minions in Congress are willing to destroy people's confidence, the end result, if not their goal, being the destruction of our democracy. And as we have been forced to learn and acknowledge, no institution is safe, no institution, when the goal is an autocratic dictatorship. 
But when the leader of your party, a twice impeached, quadrice indicted on 91 felony counts, essentially calls for the death of one of our senior military leaders and you say nothing? You are a traitor to this country who is giving aid and comfort to its number one enemy, the orange, autocratic, authoritarian, dictator wannabe, Donald friggin' Trump. And just shame on you. Shame on you. And here's the kicker, and this brings it back to what I have long contended is the biggest problem this country faces. Today's conservative, corporate-controlled, right-wing propaganda, hate media, industrial complex, who of late have become quite adept at defending and justifying genuine treason, while at the same time not condemning dishonest accusations of treason. By the way, from the same treasonous traitor whose treason they continue to defend. Let's listen to Steve Schmidt's response, and in it, he offers, I would say, a reasonable explanation for Democrats to abandon newly indicted Robert Menendez. Where is the condemnation from the Republican Party for Donald Trump issuing a written threat against General Milley? I've heard nothing but silence. Total silence, as there has been total silence about the threats, about the intimations towards violence that we've seen play out over many years. There will be a moment where these intimations and threats trigger actual real violence. There are strong arguments to be made that it has already. We know for certain that radicalized individuals have acted. We know for certain, having watched with our own eyes on January 6th, how the incitements translate to violence. But it seems to me that there is something growing, growling, menacing out there, and it is not being confronted. Now, I do want to say this. The Democratic Party in its entirety must condemn Senator Robert Menendez, roll him up in a carpet, and proverbially throw him over the side of the deck because corruption accrues to Donald Trump's benefit. Chaos accrues to Donald Trump's benefit. If the race is about, well, both sides are corrupt, even if it's a false equivalence, it accrues to Trump's benefit. The only way out of this, the only way through this is an appeal to better. So the country has been in a profound crisis before. It is a feature of democracies that they awaken late to threats. Winston Churchill talked about the gathering storm. He talked about the Second World War as the unnecessary war. But what is coming is nearing. And when you have a former president so unhinged today, threatening a former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or current chairman about to retire with death, threatening journalists with shutdown and violence, and threatening to imprison political opponents, it has to be taken seriously. When you have the entirety of a political party that remains silent, they are complicit with it. I mean, we are at the hour that John Kennedy warned about when he said, beware the foolish men who seek power by trying to ride the back of the tiger only to wind up inside it. That's where we are. And so this moment requires a ability to communicate the threat, but also optimistically, where are we going 
as we move away from this. But nobody should be confused at all about how close we are to the edge of the abyss in this country. Judging from Donald Trump's words, he means it. Now, you heard Steve mention Trump promising to lock up his political opponents. That was evidence in an interview Trump recently did with Glenn Beck. I, I don't know how you uh, how you do it every day. I really don't. I, I, I would have lost my mind a long time ago. You said in, in 2016, you know, uh, lock her up. And then when you became president, you said, we don't do that in America. That's just not the right thing to do. That's what yeah, they're well, doing. Do you regret not locking her up? And if you're president again, will you lock people up? Uh, the answer is you have no choice because they're doing it to us. First of all, Glenn, you did lose your mind a long time ago. Second, bitch, please. Trump most certainly did not (coughs) say he after he became president that he wasn't going to lock Hillary up because that's not what we do in America. And it's just not the right thing to do again. Bitch, please. And did you notice the subtle yet gargantuan lie there? Beck said, that's what they are doing. They are locking people up. To which Trump continued the lie by saying, well, I have to lock people up because that's what they're doing to us. They. They, as in Joe Biden and Democrats, when they both know full well, well, at least Beck certainly does. Trump, I don't know. If his IQ were any lower, we'd have to water him twice a day. But Beck knows as well as we real world dwellers do that it is juries, be they grand juries or trial juries, who are comprised of everyday Americans who are indicting people and convicting them. And it is judges who are bound by law to sentence convicted criminals to their sentence within the sentencing guidelines they they have sworn an oath to administer. And again, Glenn Beck knows this. But he's part of the aforementioned right-wing propaganda hate media, and his job is not in any way, shape, or form to tell his audience the truth. And so, he does his part to destroy people's confidence in every institution necessary for our democracy's survival. Oh yeah, and to also entertain and encourage Donald Trump's every fascist-driven wet dream. And as I've stated so many times in the past, nothing will change until something is done about this mammoth and far-reaching, treasonous, conservative, corporate-controlled, right-wing, propaganda-hate media industrial complex. Fox Noise, OANN, Newsmax need to be eliminated. Right-wing hate radio, which is pervasive right here in Las Vegas and every major city across America, it needs to go. Every organization that is participating in the downfall of our democracy needs to be eliminated. And the fact it has has been allowed to grow to the monstrous leviathan it's become is a stain on this country's history and legacy and might well prove to be the deciding nails that seal our democracy's coffin shut for good. And don't get me wrong, I blame Democrats for this situation as well. Democrats sat back with short arms and long pockets and watched the right build 
this colossal disinformation machine and complex. They didn't get media then, and I'm sad to say they still don't get media, which ultimately might lead to this show's demise. Quick note for those who don't know, political talk radio, at least for liberals, has devolved into a pay-to-play proposition. For some reason, corporate America will not pay a host who is pro-union, pro-worker, pro-democracy, and who is fond of using the phrase corporate greed. Go figure! Therefore, the only way a show like this can get on the air is to buy its airtime. And I reached out to the new chairwoman of the Nevada Democratic Party, Danielle Monroe Marino, weeks before I scheduled my return to the airwaves and social media. To date, haven't heard a word back. I reached out to Jamie Harrison, the chairman of the National Democratic Party. To date, haven't heard back from him either. And I gotta admit, it is frustrating to say the least to fight for one political party for all the 20-plus years I have, and as hard and competently as I have, and not be considered worthy of one measly return phone call or email message? And those are not the only two I've reached out to. But with regards to the aforementioned gargantuan right-wing propaganda hate media industrial complex, the right only did what they did because they could. And someday I'll do an entire show on this right-wing propaganda hate media scourge, including what I think is a memorable clip from an interview I did years ago with the late and great Helen Thomas, who was long considered the first lady of the White House press corps. Helen covered 10 U.S. presidents beginning with JFK. She also authored six books and was the first female officer of the National Press Club, as well as the first female member and president of the White House Correspondents Association. In fact, you know what? To heck with it. I'll play it now. This is yours truly and the great Helen Thomas. Oh, and just in case you think I'm a Johnny-come-lately to my media perspective, this interview was from back in 2010, 13 years ago. Helen passed away in 2013. You will hear I haven't changed my media stance one iota. And I was honored to have Helen as my guest twice. And I got to tell you, it was a little difficult getting her on the first time. The second time, she was happy to come back. And I'd like to think this exchange we had maybe kind of cemented the bond I'd also like to think we had. Again, this was back in 2010. I consider this show to be as much a media watchdog show as, as I do anything else. Reason being, I firmly believe and have for quite some time that the biggest problem this country faces today is the imbalance in today's media. And you write on the very first page of your book that something vital has been lost and that truth, not an agenda, should be the goal of a free press. And I couldn't agree more, and I kind of break it down into three parts. Number one, years ago, the right saw... Uh, a very flawed president, Nixon, taken down. They decided no more would a dishonest Republican president be taken down by an honest media. So the power brokers on the right started investing in their own media infrastructure. Number two, then came the removal of the Fairness Doctrine under Reagan and media deregulation under Clinton in the 90s. 
the power and money brokers on the right then bought up what mainstream media was for sale while continuing to invest in and expanding their own infrastructure. And then number three, all the while that was happening, the media was just kind of naturally devolving into corporatization to the point today where five major corporations control 80% of the news the American people receive. And of course, corporations by and large prefer the tax cut consolidation deregulation policies of the GOP and choose their mouthpieces accordingly. And it's gotten to the point where the corporate media has become so powerful and influential that they are able to essentially influence and dictate what stories become these stories of the day. And the ironic thing, all the while this was going on, the right continued to accuse the media of being liberal, which caused and causes even the media outlets that aren't completely under the thumb of corporate America, the, the ones that try to be objective, to self-censor and slant their coverage to the right for fear of being called liberal. And it's bad enough that corporations and lobbyists write much of our legislation, but when the media is owned and controlled by corporate America, as helpful as that might be for a corporatocracy, in my opinion, that's the worst thing for and destroys a democracy. What's your take on that? My take is that I think it's a brilliant summation. I couldn't have said it better. No one else could. I think that really wraps it all up. What's happened to us, I think we've lost our, our way in so many ways. And I, I'm a liberal now, remain a liberal all my life. And the whole world was so demonized by the Republicans. And I say shame on them. Yeah, and almost shame on us for allowing them to do it. That's right. That's right. And you know, I got to say, when you have an American icon, an American legend, a revered journalist like Helen Friggin Thomas tell you that she couldn't have said what you just said any better and no one else could, that tends to make me feel like maybe my opinion is correct. The only problem is, and it's a big one, an existential one, in fact, I really wish I was wrong. In all the years I've been on the radio fighting for the Democratic Party, it has given me no pleasure whatsoever to say that my party, my beloved Democratic Party, doesn't get media. It has given me even less pleasure that I've been right. But like the old adage goes, it is what it is. Time will tell and soon if anything's changed. After her appearances on the show, Helen and I enjoyed some off-air conversations. This is how one of them went. Well, I hope you had a good time, Helen. I, I really meant it when I said we were <laughs> good thrilled. Good time, man. I, I'm going to be paying for this for years. <laughs> <laughs> the they questions were, the... were very tough. Well, you know, I was going to ask you, being a reporter, this was kind of different for you. You were the one being asked the questions. Well, uh, I'd rather ask them myself. Yeah. I think you're incredible. Well, thank you. You know what you're talking about, and you, you believe, you're a believer, and which is great. And also, you you do your homework. Well, that's very important. Well, you're an awful sweet lady, Helen. We just love you on the show, and thank you. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you for letting me. That was the one and only, the late and great Helen Thomas. And you know, just to throw some numbers at you, if I may. It costs 4650 bucks a month to keep the show on the air, or 65000 for the next 14 months until after the next election. That's for the airtime and a bit for me to produce and host the show. You know what the disgusting Limbaugh aberration was making a year up to the point he died? $80 million. 
$80 million a year. And he didn't have to pay for his airtime. That all went to him. $80 million a year to flat out lie to his audience as opposed to $65,000 for 14 months for the documented and provable truth. And by the way, you know what the difference was between Rush Limbaugh and the Hindenburg? One was an overblown Nazi gas bag. The other was a dirigible. And you know how many Limbaugh fans, listeners, uh, for fans and listeners it took to change a light bulb? None. They preferred to stay in the dark and listen to his show. And you know the only two African, African Americans Limbaugh knew intimately? Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. And remember that disgusting time Limbaugh Mike mocked Michael J. Fox? You know why he didn't think Fox's Parkinson's condition was serious? Because you only shake like that when your pharmacist takes too long to fill an Oxycontin prescription. All that said, I will continue to do what I do for as long as I can because I love it and I at least believe in its worthiness. And if no support develops, I'm out of here likely never to return. As hard-headed as I am, after years of beating my head against a brick wall, I'm starting to get a slight headache. Danielle? Jamie? Dina? Catherine? Aaron? anyone. And I apologize for the digression. Back to Steve Schmidt's comment. You heard him remark on Trump threatening journalists with shutdowns and violence. It's actually worse than that. Like he did with General Milley, Trump is essentially threatening journalists with death. This is another one of his deranged posts on his anti-social media site. Quote, they are almost all dishonest and corrupt, but Comcast, with its one-side and vicious coverage by NBC News, and in particular MSNBC News, often incorrectly referred to as MSDNC, Democrat National Committee, <laughs> real clever, clever, would be investigated for its country-threatening treason. Their endless coverage of the now fully debunked scam known as Russia, 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 and much else is one big campaign contribution to the radical left Democrat Party. I say upfront, openly, and proudly that when I win the presidency of the United States, they and others of the lamestream media will be thoroughly scrutinized for their knowingly dishonest and corrupt coverage of people, things, and events. Why should NBC or any other of the corrupt and dishonest media companies be entitled to use the very valuable airwaves of the USA free? They are a true threat to democracy. That's rich coming from Trump. They are a true threat to democracy and are, in fact, the enemy of the people. The fake news media should pay a big price for what they have done to our once great country. End friggin' quote. And first, while I fully understand that the dregs of society who comprise Trump's base have no problem with dangerous and violent rhetoric like these, like this, the bottom line is they are lies. And you know, this is nothing new. Trump's base had been primed for decades to regard all media except theirs as liberal media. Trump just came along 
and changed it. His bright idea was to change it. You know what, Justin? My notes are all screwed up here. I don't have the next sound clip. Oh, here it is. Here it is. I thought we had a, a, a crisis there, but we don't. Sorry about that, folks. Sometimes the, the notes get put on the wrong page. I blame it all on Justin. <laughs> it wasn't his fault at all. Now, wait a minute. There's another page I'm missing. What's going on here? How did I manage to mess this up? You guys talk to one another for a sec. I got stuff to do. Okay, there's no page six. What does it say soundbite number seven is, Justin? Is that Joe Scarborough? You mean eight? What do we, yeah, number eight. Claire. Hmm? Claire. Oh, it's nine. <laughs> Joe. Huh? Okay, I don't have my notes here, but there's one soundbite I want you to hear before we go to our break. I have in the past made subtle references to what is happening in this country presently to what happened in Germany back in the 30s. Well, now it seems it's becoming less uncommon for people to also make that comparison. Here's Joe Scarborough on his Morning Joe show yesterday morning. This, this doesn't relate to anybody whatsoever. It's just, it's going through reams and reams and volumes. I love World War II and, mm -hmm. you know, big Churchill fan. Love what Rosa. So I was reading this. This is, it's from um, uh, the United States Office of Strategic Services in describing Hitler's psychological profile. And this only pertains to Adolf Hitler and pertains to nobody else. I can't, okay. I just can't state that enough. But this is what they had for Adolf Hitler's psychological profile and for those of you in the midst of reading world war ii uh government reports you'll find it fascinating his primary rules were never allow the public to cool off never admit a fault or wrong never concede that there may be some good in your enemy never leave room for alternatives never accept blame concentrate on one enemy at a time and blame him for everything that goes wrong People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. And if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. That is, of course, the U.S. government during World War II, Mika, talking about Adolf Hitler. And that's all we're talking about here, Adolf Hitler. Just a little light nighttime reading for me. And as I said just a moment ago, I understand that Trump's base will have no problem with him doing this. In fact, they would have no problem with him pulling every news organization off the air. But to threaten legitimate news organizations and accuse them of treason? That's not only dangerous, it is laughable given the existence of a genuine and aforementioned treasonous conservative corporate-controlled right-wing propaganda-hate media industrial complex. And B, those are the words and intentions of an autocratic authoritarian dictator. Page one of the dictator handbook is to delegitimize legitimate media and accuse them of being the enemy of the German people. Oh, wait, did I say German? And get this, get this. First of all, make no mistake, the stakes have never been higher. Our democracy is on the ballot next year, and it is in more peril now than at any time in our nation's history, including in 2020. But get this. This is almost hard to report. In an NBC poll last year, 
40% of the American people trusted Democrats more than Republicans, 40% to 33% to protect democracy. However, in a new NBC poll taken just last week, by a slim margin of 37 to 36 percent, more Americans trust Republicans than Democrats to protect democracy. Now, if Democrats can attribute this to anything other than the power and reach of the aforementioned corporate media, I'd like to hear it. And back to my wink-wink German slip. We heard Joe Scarborough's first comment. That was from back in 2018. That clip I just played you was from five years ago. This, however, was what Scarborough said just yesterday in response to Trump's accusing NBC and MSNBC of treason. And yesterday he ranted that he was going to take over NBC and MSNBC if he won the 2024 election. He was ranting on on uh, his social media posts and claimed the networks are the enemy of the people. This is, of Here course, a again. phrase that Stalin used that after Stalin died, Khrushchev yeah. said it was such a dangerous political in the Soviet Union, such a dangerous political phrase that he outlawed the use of it. And he said that NBC and MSNBC should be investigated for country-threatening treason. So here we go, John. In two days, he threatens to, says the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs probably should be executed. And then he says that the news network that, uh, that is most critical of him should be taken off the air. This is not a reach. I could go back and talk about Nazi Germany, and I'd do it. I do it without any concerns whatsoever. And if people can't start drawing the parallels, well, you're just stupid or you have your head in the sand or you're one of them. Boom. If you don't see the parallels between Trump and Hitler, you're just stupid. You have your head in the sand or you're one of them. And did you hear Scarborough say he makes that comparison without any concern? Not to brag, but I've been making that comparison without concern for years. Yay me? Scarborough wasn't finished, and as he continued, he offered some interesting facts on the Prime Minister of Hungary and how Viktor Orban turned Hungary into a quasi-dictatorship. Quick hint, it didn't happen overnight, and it began with the media. Scarborough also mentioned something I have incorporated into my public speeches, namely that Trump has threatened to take independent agencies and put them under the control of the executive branch, a.k.a. under his control. And that includes the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, which I then tell people shows the size of the dog I have in this fight. Once again, Joe Scarborough. This is not a reach. I could go back and talk about Nazi Germany, and I'd do it, I'd do it without any concerns whatsoever. And if people can't start drawing the parallels, well, you're just stupid, or you have your head in the sand, or you're one of them. But I'd rather look at Orban and what's going on today in Hungary, because what he's done, it's been systematic. He started with the, the public, sort of the NPR stations, took them over. They became voices and arms of the state. Then he started going over uh, uh, the newspapers. He had, he, he basically, he regulated or, or taxed one independent newspaper after another independent newspaper out of existence. 100% of the newspapers there 
are basically state run, state owned through these kind of third party uh, supporters, these industries. And he's done it with broadcast too. 80% uh, are basically Orban's uh, deal. He's, he's got, he's got almost complete control over the news media. They send out the message for them to follow and they all follow it. There is no freedom of speech in Hungary. And so, do, do I think that Donald Trump's going to be allowed to line people up against the wall and shoot them? No, he'd like to. And no doubt. I know him and I've known him for a long time and, and we can see this. He would like to. He's not going to be allowed to. But if he says, I'm going to take the FEC and I'm going to bring it into the White House and I'm going to decide who's going to be on TV and who's not going to be on TV. Believe him. That is something that Republicans, 50% of Americans are supporting him right now, despite the fact he steals nuclear secrets and he steals war plans and he says he's going to terminate the Constitution. So sure, they'll let him shut down TV stations. That's where we are. Absolutely they would. And they would applaud him for so doing. And never forget, Donald Trump worships the ground Victor Orban of Hungary walks upon. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. That's 702-221-7283 or S-A-V-E, save. Who's first, Dustin? Please come home, because I miss you, Gary. Gary, you're first. Thanks for calling. I know. And all the times I've called you, I, I never I never wished that they wouldn't call me first. I feel you know, did you ever watch No, you didn't you don't know anything about you're from Canada. You're Can Canadian refugee, but you don't know anything about Brooklyn or maybe what you read, but you know, there was a, a welcome back uh call. Welcome back no is it no, welcome back, somebody. Good gosh. Gary, Gary, I, I have to ask, isn't it a little early? I know, but I'm, I'm trying to... I mean, Jesus, I, it's I, not, I it's not even noon. Oh. I have when to do you, you start? News? That's I, it. Because I, I you, hope you, you enjoyed every no, drop of I, your breakfast. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to tell you something. Okay, okay, I'm here. Are you there? I'm here. I'm a time traveler, and you're the, fa you're the father, not Brian Shapiro, doofus uh, uh, of one side of the spectrum. You are the father of AM, FM, uh, 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 left. Uh, no, how do I say this politely? Uh, Somebody I from not from the right wing. You're the father of that. This is uh, Rush Limbaugh, who I used to have it out with so many times before you ever knew me. So many times. I love Bob Green. He was so much better. But, uh, hey, uh, am I drifting off into uh, outer space in my own life? Say that again. You kind of you kind of slurred a couple words there, surprisingly. I don't mean to be like Donald Trumpish, but it's true. It, it is Chi Chi Ping, uh, uh, ping pong balls. I have a message for you. I know you. this is one of your best shows, and you want to admit it. And you follow it, but uh, in between you and me, there's a bunch of people talking to me. And uh, FBI, screw, uh, are, screw the, are those people that are talking to you in the room with you now? Uh, no, it's just Rico working on a transmission 
Oh. And he shut the Mexican music off because he's too paranoid. I should have he known. Because he knows I'm a nut. <laughs> he, he knows I'm a nut. I wanted the background music with the Mexican station because I love Mexico. Uh, and I, I really see it what, the way you've been treated in history in so many ways, in so many ways. I hey, hear dog. you. I oh, hear you, Gary. Dog. I... This is dog. Dog, dog bashing. I'm reaching <laughs> out to people. You could do rap music. I have imagination, baby. I'll talk to you later, man. Okay. And everybody pre- out there in Radio World. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. Always a pleasure. 221-7283 is our number. Who's next? We now go to this show's official correspondent, Big Bad John. You're next. Thanks for calling. Gary, it's not even noon, partner. (laughs) I know. How many do you throw back already, pal? (laughs) Holy crap. I know, like hey, like I told it. like I told him. I hope he enjoyed every drop of his breakfast. You might be blitzed, but you have the good good sense to listen to the Doug Basham radio show. So I can't be too critical. <laughs> that that's true. That's true. Bless his heart. You know the funny hey, thing uh, is, great, I was going to say, John. The funny thing is, Gary. Somebody at one point actually gave Gary my phone number, and occasionally him and I talk off the air. Gary is not the doofus he likes to play on the air. He is quite intelligent and has a great sense of humor. That's good to hear. Yep. Hey, Doug, great show, man. Uh, I would encourage everybody to reach out and support Doug. Uh, This is absolutely tremendous. Doug is making a personal sacrifice that is enormous. And and Doug and I have talked about this. You know, if the orange fraud, if the uh, the Nazi wannabe, the uh, authoritarian fascist happens to win, uh, he might turn his sights towards Doug. He probably won't because, uh, you know, we're just a little Las Vegas radio show. But, you know, Doug has sacrificed tremendously for your entertainment, for your education. He puts a lot of time into this show. He provides tremendous content. Helen Thomas hit it square on the head. Uh, come on, man. Reach into your pockets and support Doug. Give us some help. We need Doug Basham on the radio every single day of the week. John, you are the best, and you've left me speechless. I speak the truth, partner. And, you know, one other thing I would say is I hope the morons at NBC News and Kristen Welker realize that Donald Trump totally played them, and they gave that fascist wannabe Nazi wannabe orange fraud a platform for over an hour to spew his lies and hate. Uh, which you and Joe Scarborough perfectly rattled off exactly what he's doing. It's all by design. They gave him a platform. Shame on you, Kristen Welker. Shame on you, NBC News. It's time we shut this fool up and save democracy in America. Hey, I couldn't agree more, John. Thanks for calling. Hey, folks, that's it. We are out of time. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you calling. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, hopefully with you. Until then, I say take care of